welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. chapter 11 this week. Um, uh, we're in our welcome series, our welcome home series. Um, and this week it's on perspective. So we're reading out of Luke 11, starting in verse 37. It said, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cl- cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. Amen. Uh, Guys, I don't even know where to start this morning. Uh, I don't know, it feels like uh, so much has happened already this morning. I mean, just through the songs that we sang, um, I mean, that last song that we sang was so powerful to me. I just felt this, the weight of the Spirit in this place. And, and so it was just, I don't know, it was, it was just really amazing to step forward. And I know Adam was like, I guess we got to go into the video announcement. I guess he was struggling, but you're like, oh, yeah, well, here you go. Look at the screen. Uh, and and it, I don't know, it was just, and then, and then sending Molly out, like, it's, it's just, this is the body of Christ, guys. This is the kingdom of God. This is what we get to do as a church. And this is us being the church. And so I don't know what you came in here with this morning, if you're new to church, if you're new to this church, if you're, if, wherever you are, um, on your journey of faith, uh, we are just trying to rest in the presence of God and bring that to our city. Like, that's, that's what we're doing as, as followers of Jesus. We're just trying to follow Jesus and show light, show love, be salt, uh, you know, just preserve the things in the culture that are God's, right, and perpetuate those things and, and uh, point people to Jesus. And that's what this series is about at the end of the day. It's just about pointing people to Jesus. And just want to make a note on this graphic. Some people have been asking me what, what it is. Uh, it's a table. So all, all of all of the this, this sermons have been centered around a meal with Jesus. Jesus is bringing people to the table. And you see there the spoons, like, as the, the, the X there, bread and leaves. I don't know what is that. What is that, Dave? Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's, it's a table, and this whole series is about bringing people to the table. It's about inviting people in. It's about... It's about being around the table, breaking bread, remembering Jesus. That's what we do, right? When we break bread, we remember Jesus, we fellowship, and we invite people to that table. And we see that throughout the Gospel of Luke, Jesus does a lot of ministry around the table. He does a lot of things around the table. How many, how, how many things do you do around the table? I said in our first, in our first installment of this series that some of my best Family times happen around a table where we're sharing a meal, 
And some of my, the best times of my life, think about that, happen around a table where we're sharing a meal. My, even when my daughters were young, you just saw them run off, they're seven and eight now, even when they were like two and three or three and four, we'd sit around the table and we could sit there for hours, guys, and just talk and laugh and have fun and share a meal together and remember Jesus together. That's what this whole series is about, and we see Jesus doing that with multiple people. And guess what, guys? He does not discriminate. He doesn't discriminate who comes to the table and who doesn't. He invites everybody. And so through this series, I want us to gain a new perspective. That's what we're talking about today. We talk about welcome healing, welcome forgiveness, welcome abundance. Today, welcome perspective, because everybody is welcome at the table. And we need to invite everybody to the table. We don't get to decide who comes and, and who doesn't. We just send out the invite, right? A lot of times what we do is we, we say people's no for them. Don't do that. Just ask, right? Invite. We're supposed to, we're supposed to keep on doing that. Don't assume someone's going to say no. That's what I mean. You say their no for them by not asking. So just that's what Jesus does. He invites. He asks. People invite him in return, and they ask, and he goes and sits around a table with them, and he ministers to them. So this morning, like I said, we're talking about welcome perspective, and that's because not, not, just, uh, not just in people coming to Jesus, but us as a church, we need a perspective shift. We need an eternal perspective. We need, we need our, our, our eyes to shift, our hearts to shift, our minds to shift if we're going to have, if we're going to welcome people to the table. How many of you guys in here are germaphobes? Wow, and you admit it. Nice. <laughs> Someone back there's like, uh, I'm okay, like half, half raise. Uh, so this is on, on <laughs> there's some people which I would call, like if we have an opposite of germaphobes, it'd be germophiles, which that <laughs> sounds weird, right? But this is people who love, it, they don't really love germs, but they don't do anything about it. Like if you're, have you ever seen someone while you're on an airplane walk out of the airplane bathroom with bare feet? Yeah, it's good. Some of you guys are like, oh, that's that's me. <laughs> uh, but the rest of us are like, oh man, that's yeah, that's gross. Uh, or people who walk out of the bathroom without washing their hands, right? If that's you in here, you have just been shamed. <laughs> Don't do that anymore, okay? If you go to the bathroom, please wash your hands, because uh, I see people do it all the time. Um, and not just like number one, right? Like, yeah, you know, the other numbers. So, um, like, but, but some people just, they just don't care. Like, they, they don't wash their hands before they eat. They, they will, they, you know, they do whatever they do with germs. And maybe it's because, like, I've actually talked to some people like this. They don't believe germs exist. Yeah, that sounds... <laughs> Sounds weird, right? But there's people out there who just don't believe germs exist. Some people say, oh, well, well, I need these to build up my immune system. There is, there is validation to that. Some people, some people just say, well, you know, and I, I hate this. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I hate when people say this statement, but they'll say, well, it is what it is. Germs are germs. It is what it is. Now you can be self-conscious about saying that around me. Please do be self-conscious about saying that. <laughs> so it is what it is. But then you have germaphobes, right? Some of you guys who raise your hands and some of you guys who are more on that end of the spectrum where you can't see germs, right? You know they're there. And you've heard about them. 
And, and so when you go to the bathroom, you do weird stuff to not get germs, right? Like, if you don't walk into a sink with an automatic sink, you're like, oh, man, why? We're in the 21st century. Now I got to turn on the sink. And then if you have a, one with the blow dryer, the, the, the hand dryer or whatever, you're like, oh, that's kind of dirty. Um, you go to the door, and there's no paper towels, and you're like, oh, shoot. So you're, like, using your foot, try to open it. Or, like, I've literally seen people wait by the door until someone else opens the door to go out. And I know that. So I'll get to the door, and I'll be like, hey, <laughs> what's going on? And they're waiting for me to open it, and, and I'll just stand there. And then eventually it will get awkward, and I'll, I'll go out. But, uh, or like, there's a lot of bathrooms now that have a, that have a waste basket next to, next to the doors so that people can open it with a paper towel and all that. And all that's valid, too, because guess what? People don't wash their hands after they go to the bathroom, right? All these, all these surfaces are, are really dirty, but you'll look foolish to avoid germs. Like, open your door. Like, I've seen people try to use their elbow on the, on the door handle and then their foot to, to try to get, get out. And, and, you know, you guys are all Purelling it up. Like, you're washing your face with Purell and your hands. And uh, you use it as body wash before you, before you eat a meal. And, and there's, there's, all, there's these two ends of the spectrum, and there's everything in between. And which is, which is good, which is right. In the kingdom, which is, which is good? Which is right? Is it the germaphobe or is it the germophile? I can't tell you that, uh, but I can say this, that an eternal perspective is based more and informed more by the unseen than it is the seen. So those who are germaphobes, you may have a point, right? Because based on the unseen, what you can't see, you've, your behavior is completely dictated by that, and you've changed everything to accommodate uh, that so you don't get sick, right? It's all based on the unseen. The germophiles who, who uh, they, they, have, they actually have a point too because you're like, well, it is what it is. Like, if I get sick, I get sick. And you don't let the fear of, of the unseen, the fear of the germs, dictate and control your life. And so there's got to be maybe something in between there, right? And we're going to see how Jesus operates in that in between. Because we're dealing with germophobes, germophobes and germophiles in this passage. So let's, let's jump in here. It says here, this is the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11. It says, while Jesus, verse 27, while Jesus was speaking. So, okay, before we move on, while Jesus was speaking, what was, what was he talking about? What was he speaking, right? Let's go back to the, the verses right above this. This is what he's speaking when the Pharisee comes to him and asks him to dine with him. So go back to verse 33. I think we have it on the screen. It says, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a cellar, or puts, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, up high on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. Lamp not meaning it projects light, but it... Uh, it is the, the, like the aperture to collect light, to bring light in. So your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, when it is good, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, when it takes in bad things, right? When your eye takes in that which is bad, your body is full of darkness. 
What are your eyes taking in on a daily basis? Are they taking in things that are good and healthy, or are they taking in things that are bad and unhealthy and evil? That's the distinction Jesus is making right now. He says, if it's bad, your body's full of darkness. If it's good, your body's full of light. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. What a, what a crazy kingdom paradoxical statement. Be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. How can light be darkness? I don't know. Verse 36, if then your whole body is full of light, having no part of dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So that's what Jesus is saying. This is the context for the entire passage we're about to enter into. Jesus is talking about the outside and the inside and its relationship, right? So while he's speaking that, a Pharisee says, hey, come and have a meal with me. Come and dine with me. And so Jesus goes in and he reclines at the table. I love that picture of Jesus. He's reclining at the table. Can you picture that? Like, picture that in your mind right now. Jesus, our God. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's our God, right? He is, he's reclining at the table. Like, he's just laying back. He's, he's just on his, like, the tables are low in those days, right? So he's just leaning, leaning on his elbow, maybe. That's, that's the picture of Jesus. Like, do you, have you ever pictured Jesus like that? Like, this is, this is our God, right? And, and oftentimes, when he's doing that with his disciples, the, the uh, apostle John his head's in Jesus' bosom. What is the bosom, you say? <laughs> I don't know. But that is, that is where Jesus, that is where John's leg, leg is head. It's, it's this area right here. So, um, <laughs> I, that's such a beautiful picture of what Jesus is inviting us into, right? And, and he's at this Pharisee's house. And when we hear the word Pharisee, if you've been around church for a while, you're like, ugh, Pharisee, ugh. They're the religious right. They're the self-righteous guys. Like, why would Jesus be just relaxing at, at their house? But he is, okay? And so the Pharisee, remember the Pharisees, what they wanted to do is they wanted to purify Israel. They had a good intention, right? They just had wrong actions, okay? And maybe their motivations were a little bit off sometimes, as we'll see. But their intention was to purify Israel, to bring in the kingdom of God, to usher in the kingdom, bring to, for the, so that the Messiah would come back. And so they took uh, purity as a nation, they started making it individual, and that's why they, they themselves were trying to obey every single part of the law. But they did more than that, actually, because look at this, this next passage. Sorry, this next verse. It says, in verse 38, the Pharisee was astonished to see, so astonished, amazed, shocked, to see what? Not that Jesus was reclining at the table, that's normal. To see that he didn't wash before dinner. All you, was, I guess Jesus wasn't a germaphobe, huh? He didn't wash up before dinner. So uh, the Pharisees are astonished. They're amazed that he doesn't wash before dinner. What, what does that mean? Well, in Mark chapter 7, it, it explains this. This is the, the same passage that we're looking at this morning. And so let me read this for you. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. This is the same passage, like I said. So the Pharisees gathered him. They, they invited Jesus over. And, and the Pharisees saw that some of his disciples, Jesus' disciples, in verse 2, ate with, their, with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. And whenever you have something in parentheses in the scriptures like this, it's like a commentary. It's like... 
the author Mark here, uh, who is getting this from Peter, is it puts this in brackets and parentheses, and it's like a commentary to explain things for us. Right? So he says, this is about to explain what it means by defiled or unwashed. And he says this, for the Pharisees and all the Jews don't eat unless they wash their hands properly. And, and properly, there's a special way they did it. If you see in a footnote in your text, it'll say they did it like with a fist. There's a proper, proper ceremonial way of, of washing your hands. And, and this is what he's referring to. And it says it's holding to the tradition of what? Of the elders. It's not holding to the tradition of the scriptures. You following me there? It's holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And you're like, yeah, I would do that too. But that's not the point. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. So even washing like the seats, I guess. And all this has to be clean. And so the Pharisees and scribes ask him a question. They say, why, why don't your disciples do this? Why, do they, they, why don't they walk according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat with defiled hands? And, and Jesus gives them this prophecy from Isaiah. Basically, he kind of shuts them down and he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain, in emptiness, do they worship me? So it's like, it's like they say they worship me, but they don't, they're not actually doing it with their hearts. Because their teaching as doc, their teaching is as the doctrines and the, the sorry teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So what they're doing is they're teaching as doctrines what is right, what is right theology, what is supposed to be, what's supposed to happen, the commandments of men. And he says here in verse eight, the sum. He says, "You leave the commandments of God, and you hold to the tradition of men." So you're more concerned about what the elders say you should do than about what the scriptures say you should do, then about what God is saying you should do. And that's what's happening in this passage here. So going back to Luke 11, that's what's happening. And they see that Jesus doesn't wash before dinner. And remember the Pharisees, they, they felt like not just you had to wash, but you had to do it a certain way. And remember the Pharisees, they, they want to bring in purity here. So what they're doing, what, what they've done, I'm sorry, what they have done is they've said, okay, this is the law. This is God's instruction. We need to follow it. We need to obey it. So, for instance, take uh, keep the Sabbath, observe the Sabbath, and keep it holy, right? That is God's instruction. That's one of the Ten Commandments. They're like, yes, that's good. And we should, us, we should keep that. But now they, but they've gone further and said, well, this is how you should do it. And they've added to that. This is what it will look like. This is, this is what it sh how it should be done. And they've added over a thousand laws to it by this point. A thousand additional laws to God's instruction to say, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna be clean, this is how you do it. You gotta do it this way, this way, this way, this way. You gotta wash your pots this way, all this. You gotta wash your cups this way. You gotta wash your dining couches this way. Nope, you didn't wash your hands fully this way and, and we, got to, we, we have to fix it. We have to clean it. And, and we, have to, we have to redo it sometimes. Like we have, to, we have to redo it because we're supposed to be clean this way. And they're trying to 
get to God this way. They're trying to purify themselves. They're trying to cleanse themselves. And what they've missed is that in, in cleaning the outside of everything, they've neglected the inside. They've neglected the inside. And Jesus points this out. He says in verse 39, the Lord said to him, to this Pharisee, now you Pharisees, you cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness, filth, you're unclean. And he says, you fools, did not he who made the outside, speaking of God, make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within. And behold, everything is clean for you. The Pharisees have, they've completely missed it. In their need to be clean, in their need to be right, they have just focused on cleaning the outside. They're the the germaphobes, right? And in Jesus saying, Guys, the inside is the thing that's dirty, is the thing that you should be worried about. You look great on the outside, but the inside is full of greed, it's full of wickedness, it's it's corrupt, it's evil. And remember, it's in the context of of them taking in through the eye that which is bad, right? And so how how do the Pharisees How are they supposed to change this? Like, how, what, do we do, what do we do with this? Like, what, pers- what perspective is Jesus trying to give us? You know, if he's trying to help us see the things that are unseen, that, that um, inform our eternal perspective more than the things that are seen, what's he trying to show us here? That's what we should be asking ourselves as, as we read through this. Because, guys, in this series, the series is twofold for us. What... What we want to happen in this is not to equip us more to share our faith, not just that, but to, but to show us what the, I'm trying to show you what the gospel is. And I feel like we've, we've missed elements of the gospel along the way, which is why we started with welcome healing. We get to welcome people into healing, but the problem is, us as a church, we haven't actually stepped forward into healing. You know, we get to welcome people into forgiveness, but the problem is, we, don't, we haven't stepped forward into forgiveness, and, and, and therefore we don't offer forgiveness, right? We, we don't live the abundant life, so how can we offer the abundant life? How do we welcome people into that gospel if we don't live it ourselves? And here in perspective, how do we offer new perspective to people if we don't ourselves actually live in that eternal perspective? And so many of us are still cleaning the outside of the cup. And he says, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. And he says here, you're supposed to give us charity, give us alms, those things that are within. Within, within what? Within those dishes. He says, that food that's in those dishes, the, that's on the table right now, you're supposed to give those to the poor. So how do you combat greed? With generosity. You do the opposite. So if you struggle in here with with being overcritical of people. How do you combat that? Well, you encourage people and you praise people. If you struggle with the love of money, how do you combat that? Well, you give money. 
If you struggle with having to have everything your way and have control and always be right, how do you combat that? Well, you release. You release control. You relinquish control. You, you admit that you're wrong sometimes. And here he says, you guys are full of greed. How do you combat that? You give. You give away. You be generous. And he says, behold, everything is clean. And so Jesus here, guys, you got to remember Jesus here is, is operating out of love. You know, we sometimes look at the Pharisees in the scriptures as the bad guys. But Jesus doesn't necessarily see them as the bad guys. Jesus is operating out of love. He loves the Pharisees just as much as he loves the tax collector who he's just had a meal with, just as much as he loves the prostitute who he's just had a meal with. He loves the Pharisee, the one who's self-righteous, who's, who's in their religious right. He loves, he loves them the same way. So, so as, we, uh, as I talk about the next section of this passage, think about this through the lens of Jesus loving them, not condemning them, okay? Because some of us are gonna be in this Pharisee category, and, and so I want you to hear right now, Jesus is not condemning you this morning. He's loving you this morning. And if you can realize that, when you go out into the world, you can, instead of condemning people, you can actually love, love people, okay? We do a good job at the, as the church at condemning the world. We don't do a very good job at loving the world. So here, switch out that lens real quick and see that Jesus is loving the Pharisee. So in the next verse when he says, when he says, but woe to you Pharisees, oftentimes we read that as a curse. Like, he's cursing the Pharisees, curse you Pharisees. That woe, that expression in, in, in the Greek language is an expression of mourning. It's an expression of sadness. It's an expression of grief. Guys, his heart right in those words, in, those, in that moment, is breaking for the Pharisees. He's not condemning them. They're already condemned. He's here to bring them light and to bring them love. Did you catch that? Like, they're already condemned. He's there to bring them light and love. And he's expressing his sadness and his grief in that moment. He says, woe to you. Guys, wake up. He's saying, like, uh, I, my heart is breaking for how blind you guys are right now. And he says this, he says, you tithe mint and rue and every herb. So what, what they would do is they're supposed to tithe agriculture, right? They're supposed to give 10% of their agriculture to su supporting the ministry, the kingdom, and, and those things. So what, what they do, though, is he's saying, you're, you're tithing these herbs even, like you're counting your mint leaves, right? And, and rue and every herb, and you're, you're parsing it out. And, and he says, and, you and as you're doing that, you're neglecting justice and the love of God. And look here, guys. He doesn't abolish the law. He says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So he doesn't say, don't tithe. He doesn't say, don't count your mint leaves. He doesn't say, don't do any of that. He, he doesn't abolish any of that. Remember, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. 
I came to fulfill it. That doesn't mean we don't do it anymore. It doesn't mean God's instruction back then is gone, right? He says, he says no, sure, do that, but you're doing it with the wrong motivations. You're supposed to do it with justice and the love of God. And it's almost like he's saying here, when he says woe to the Pharisees, it's almost like he's saying woe to the germaphobes. Sorry for those who raised your hands earlier. <laughs> he's, but he's saying, you, you're doing all these things, and you see, and this is us as the church right now. I'm talking to the church. Those who say you're followers of Jesus, this is us. We see all the things that we're supposed to do. We, we've, given, we've been given a picture into that which is unseen, and that's dictating how we live our lives to some extent, right? And that differs for, for some of us, uh, how, how, how that dictates how we live our lives. And, but for some of us, we've become so religious in it that we've lost sight of why we do what we do. Like, why did you come here this morning? Why did you read your Bible this week? We've taken things that are supposed to invite us into the presence of God and help us experience the presence of God, and we've made them rituals and traditions, and we've robbed them of their glory. They no longer have justice. The love of God is no longer in them. Now it's just ritual and tradition. We're counting our mint leaves. We're counting our herbs. We're parsing it all out. We're checking our list, and we're saying, we, we did that. In our, in our small group this week, Cassandra said some pretty amazing things. She just nodded. She's like, yeah. <laughs> she said some, some pretty awesome things. We had a really awesome time in our small group this week discussing this passage in our, in our BLG and, um, and just, just seeing how Jesus interacts. And, and Cassandra was saying that uh, when she first came into the communion, first started first started following Jesus into the communion of faith and first started following Jesus, she thought she had to clean the outside. She thought she had to be perfect. She thought she walked into a community like this, and, and a lot of us do this, guys, and we look around, we're like, oh, man, everyone has their act together. Everyone looks, looks all put together. Like, we're, we're all pharisaical, right? We're all good at cleaning the outside. I mean, none of us on Facebook put when we're arguing with our spouse, Right? Like, we're in an argument, we're not like, hey, click, like, let's post that. Hey, it's been a rough day, guys, just arguing with my spouse today. No, you put all the good stuff, right? Instagram, which I never go on any of these social media things. Uh, but all they do is they perpetuate this fake life, right? If you're, if you're dating right now and you're online uh, and you're doing online dating, and you're trying to find someone online, like, it's all, it seems all fake, right? Everyone puts their best face forward. And, and then oftentimes when you meet someone in person, you feel deceived. You're like, oh, that's not what it, that's not, that's not right. Like, they said they were, no, that's, that didn't look right. Um, and we're good at, ma on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on, on, set up on Snapchat, whatever it is. Like, we're good at the angles. Right? You're good at taking pictures with angles. You're good at presenting yourself in the right light. You're good at presenting yourself. And we're masters at that. And we do it in person, too. We come into church. We're all, we're all good, you know? I got my top button, button here. I got everything in, in line. And, 
and I got my flowered shirt on, and I got it all put together, right? I'm growing my hair out, like, and, and you're like, oh, this person has it all put together. No, guys, that isn't the church. We're a bunch of imperfect people trying to follow a perfect Savior. And Linnea this morning was leading us into praying and into transparency and saying, guys, take away the vanity, take away the pride, and just step forward into showing people who you are. Because sometimes it's just not all right. Sometimes you're not all right. Sometimes you just had a crappy day. And that day may be today. And the reason you came in today was be in the presence of other believers, in the presence of God, and hopefully be lifted up in that. And Cassandra, she was saying she, she realized when she started getting serious about her faith that, that she was cleaning the outside of the cup, and, and that, that, wasn't, that isn't Christ. That isn't the community. And guys, in your weaknesses, in your failures, in your sin, in your, in your faults, that's where the glory of God is shown. Do you realize that? When you are weak, he is strong. Like, our, in our sin, like, that's where we see this glorious Savior who rescues us from this sin. You know, we sang about the blood of Christ earlier, and that may be weird to you. It's, it's still kind of weird uh, to me sometimes. Like, the blood of Christ cleanses our sins. What does that mean? It, it makes us white as snow. How's that? It's red. Like, it doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> and we just sing it, like, because some of us have been singing it for 20 years. And it's like, yeah, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It doesn't make any sense, because we're not talking about the outside. We're talking about the inside. We're talking about sacrifice. We're talking about love. We're talking about um, giving yourself up for someone else. We're talking about God here, right? We're talking about perfection and, and how we can't be perfect, but we can rely on the one who is. And, and we're talking about the cross and, and sacrifice and someone giving him, himself up for us. And that's what cleanses the inside. And all the things that we do on the outside, guys, are going to burn up in the end. They don't... <laughs> They don't, <laughs> they don't, they're never going to fully satisfy. They're never going to fulfill. You have to come to a place where you realize that you're actually full of greed and wickedness. And it's only Jesus who makes that right. And if we can do that, then we can invite other people in. Look at Jesus' heart breaking for the Pharisees. Does your heart break for, for your coworkers? Guys, the Pharisees, they were the ones who were trying to, to belittle Jesus. They're the ones who are trying to trap Jesus. They're the ones who are trying to, to um, uh, get him put into prison. They're the ones who eventually uh, were a big part of leading to his death. And yet his heart is breaking for them. Your boss at work who doesn't recognize what you do, who who treats you like crap, does your heart break for him? Your coworker who just talks about you behind your back, does your, does your heart break for her? Your neighbor who is just loud and obnoxious and banging on the walls or walking upstairs or, uh, you know, who never says hi to you, all those things, does your heart break for that person? Jesus' heart is breaking for the very people who are completely against him. He's loving his enemies in this moment. And he's saying, guys, you're missing everything. You're missing it. 
And he says some more things. And what's funny is one of the lawyers in verse 46 or verse 45 speaks up. He says, teacher, in saying these things, you insult us too. And then Jesus says, well, woe to you too. And, and he turns on, you see the guy like crouching down. He's like, oh, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said anything. And the lawyers here, they are, when you read lawyers, read experts in the law, they're the ones who are experts in God's instruction, in the law, and how everyone was supposed to live their lives, which made them the most self-righteous ones. Are you self-righteous? Sounds funny for me to ask that, because if you are, you would say no. <laughs> like these, these are the ones who say, we're doing everything right. The, here's, here's something. Do you get upset when someone cuts the line? You're like, yeah, I do too. Do you get upset when, I, I love this, <laughs> when you're, like, most people in our city, they line up in the left-hand lane. Uh, the right-hand lane can be fully open. Do you get upset when someone comes in the left, in the right-hand lane and then gets in, gets in front? <laughs> yeah, I see, I see some nods. Why? Do you get upset when people don't exactly follow the rules like you follow them? Why? And you may say, well, it's because I value justice and I value equity and I value fairness and I value the consideration of other people. Yeah, those are all good things. But who do you value those for? Yourself? Or the Lord? Do you get angry when someone cuts in line because that means you waited in that line and you did what you're supposed to do and now they just get to do their thing? Or are you saying that, 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 uh, that infringes on the equity of God? <laughs> right? Like how We're so self-righteous because we get upset at all these things. We say it's for the sake of justice and equity and fairness and consideration, and yet... It's our own equity and our own fairness and our own justice and our own consideration that we're worried about, not God's equity, fairness, and justice. And guys, Jesus is trying to shape our perspective on this. And in order for us to welcome people into a new perspective, into a new way of thinking, into an eternal perspective, we have to be willing to have our own shaped and shifted and transformed into a kingdom perspective. And it's the unseen things that inform that perspective more than what is seen. There's a, there's a parable of Jesus. This is laborers in the vineyard. I think this is Matthew chapter 20. And yeah, this is Matthew chapter 20. And he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The master's house went out, hire laborers, and the laborers came in, he, and he said, I'm going to give you guys a denarius a de, uh, for your work today. Everyone's going to receive a denarius. So he goes out. In the third hour, they bring people in. But he needs more people. So in the sixth hour, they bring more people in. And they, but they still need more people. In the ninth hour, they bring more people in. And they're working all day, right? And they still need more people. So in the, in the 11th hour, so this is the last hour of the day, they bring more people in. And at the end of the day, they, the laborers line up, the, the boss, the owner, the master of the house is there, 
And he gives everybody a denarius. Those who have been there since the third hour, they get a denarius. Those who have been there since the sixth hour, they get a denarius. All the way to the 11th hour. Even those who are only there for one hour, they get a denarius. Everybody gets a denarius. Everybody gets equal. That's equity. Fairness. Everybody gets justice, because that's what the master said I would give you, a denarius, for your work today. Everybody gets that. But look who gets upset in this parable. Those who've been there since the third hour, they get angry at the master because he gave them a denarius when they had worked all day, and, they'd only, and the others had only worked one hour today. And he says, well, didn't I not give you what I told you I was going to give you? And they say, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I worked longer. And he says these words. He says, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. This is the upside down kingdom, guys. This is what we get to invite people into. If you are following Jesus to clean the outside of the cup, to earn your way to heaven as a religion, to do all these things, to, I don't know, build up treasures, to, to I don't know what, what tradition you've come from, what, what you think about the Gospels. If you've done all this to, to get closer to God, you're just cleaning the outside of the cup. Jesus is saying what's inside will come outside. He doesn't say neglect the outside. He just says the inside is what's important, and that will affect the outside. And, we'll sta- and we stand there self-righteously saying, I've done more than they have. They don't deserve what, I, what, I've, what I've done. And he's saying, that's the wrong perspective. A kingdom perspective says, everybody's welcome at the table at any time. And Jesus gives every spiritual blessing to everybody in the same way. And so as we, as we uh, close today, think about this for your coworker. Think about this for your boss, your neighbor, your family member, your friend. Because I've heard so many stories recently of, of people just stepping out in faith in our church and sharing scripture with people or sharing prayers with people or just being, just being light to people. And so... We get to welcome people into healing, into forgiveness, into abundance, but also we get to give people a new perspective through the kingdom, through the king. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is, it is just, I don't know, it's amazing. It is, it just cuts to our hearts and You know, it just changes us. It transforms us. And so do your work in our hearts. Make us more like you, Jesus. We need your blood to clean the inside. Cleanse our hearts. Cleanse this church, Father. So that we'd be full of light. We'd be bright. We would... And we would shine that light 
here in St. Jamestown, here in Toronto for your glory. And so we submit ourselves to you now. As we share a meal together, we submit ourselves to you. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.